What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hey, what's happening, guys? Good to be back with you today. I'm Cloud. And this is the New Vision Podcast for those of you who are joining us for the first time. And whether you are listening to this the day that it comes out, you're a regular on the series, or you're new and you found us on a discipleship page or or wherever it is, someone recommended you, hey, let's go through the book of John together. I hope today finds you well and that you're excited to dig into God's Word. And so that's what we do on this podcast. The format is typically we'll read the Word verbatim, and then we go into some points and some application to apply some practicality to your daily life. And so... We're in John. We're continuing to go through that. If you're listening to this, the, the day that it comes out when it's current, we're, we're doing John. Um, many, many of you guys, I'm sure, are very familiar with the book of John if you've been in church for a while, but some people aren't. And so really, the, the podcast going through John is to, to complement our uh, sermon series that we're currently in right now. That's Back to the Basics, our summer series for Family Worship Month. And so that's basically, you know, what are, what is, what's God, you know, what's creation, what's sin, what is baptism, what is the Lord's Supper? Like, that's kind of weird stuff. I'm new to church. Like, let's take a look at it. Let's go back to the basics. And so when you say back to the basics, a lot of people say like, oh, the book of John, that's a great gospel, a great introduction to bring new believers, or maybe, maybe you've been a believer for a long time and you just want to kind of get back to where you started kind of a thing and, and think about that. And so the, the Gospel of John is an excellent place to do that. And so we're continuing on with that today. We're so glad you're with us. So we're in John chapter 2. I'm reading verses 1 through 12, and this is the ESV. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And then verse 6. Now there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tested the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And so this is the first sign, or, or many say miracle. Obviously, you're making wine out of water. That's a, a big miracle. So this is the first sign, miracle that Jesus does in his earthly ministry. He's young at this point. This is literally the second chapter in the Gospel of John. This is early on. And, the, and, and you know, he's with his mom still, right? He grew up and lived that life, you know, that all humans, men live, uh, you know, under the care of their parentage regardless of the fact that this is the God-man on earth. You all know that Christmas story. And so <laughs> he's still with his mom at this point. And I love that kind of thing in, in verse... Well, f- well, first of all, let's just talk about like the elephant in the room, right? If, you, if you've if found this and you're not 
you know, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, you don't, you've never been to New Vision before. Like some of you may not know that we're, we're a Baptist church, right? And so anytime you talk about wine or parties and stuff like that, there's that whole Baptist, like, oh, you know, like there's all sorts of jokes, right? <laughs> like Baptist people. So let's just, let's just get that out of the way, right? This is a party and the wine is real alcohol. I mean, like just straight up. And so a lot of people kind of take that too far and be like, yeah, Jesus was partying and that's really cool. And on the, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, Jesus, he was a, a man and people loved him. I don't, I think people think he's this, you know, kind of stuck up, uh, prude and you know, he wasn't, he, he was with people. He probably had a great sense of humor and, you know, I'm sure he had inside jokes with his disciples and, and all that kind of a thing. And so, you know, he's letting loose. Of course, he's sinless, so he's not sinning. And yes, it is real alcohol. Now, it should go without saying, but we will. Other parts of the Bible say, do not drink to excess, do not drink and be drunk. And so let's just get that out of the way. Like, yes, he's talking about alcohol. Yes, they're not drunk. So let's talk about the importance of wine at a Hebrew wedding. Like, it was a big deal. In this culture, you know, the wedding really... It wasn't kind of our American style of weddings where, you know, an open bar or whatever it is. It was, I mean, there was alcohol, but it was the, it was more of a festive occasion for the whole town, these smaller villages, and everybody got to go. You know, the mayor's there, like all the people that you may or may not, it was just like a, a, a community kind of event, very much different than what we have in our Western American culture. And so it was uh, kind of this prestige thing that, uh, I was reading some commentaries and some history things that was like the family uh, that was throwing the the wedding, right? Their their kids are getting married or whatever. Like they're throwing the wedding. Everybody's invited. Those people are bringing them money and gifts for the the new couple, and so they're like they're expected to provide wine. I mean, like we're bringing you gifts. You better have some cake and you know some wine, right? <laughs> so. That's that's how big a deal it was. And so it's about to be super embarrassing that they're about to run out of wine, like very embarrassing. And I actually read in a history book that it's uh, some people reported the family could actually be fined if they didn't provide wine for the community. I mean, because, you know, hey, you're supposed to have wine at these things. We're bringing you money and gifts like. So anyways, it was a big deal, right? It's a big deal. It's a community event. And so wine is a huge thing at these weddings. And so. I think the first thing for us is, uh, as, as applications, the first point I wrote is life without Christ is like life without wine, which is another symbol of what wine was in this culture. So the scriptures, not, not just culturally, but scripture, you see this in Psalm and in the book of Isaiah and the book of Judges, it talks about wine as symbolism, as a symbol for joy, right? It's joy. It's happiness. It's like, you know, Milk and honey, right? That's the good times. It's wine. Yeah, it's, t- it's joy. And so there's a time in all of our lives when, you know, you, you kind of experience stuff. You go do that, and it just doesn't fulfill. You know that U2 song, I, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And ultimately, we, we run out of stuff, and there's nothing else that brings exhilaration to our lives. We essentially run out of wine. We run out of joy. There's, there's only so much physical things this side of heaven that will please us for any length of time. And so... When scripture's using wine and it's talking about joy in Psalm and Isaiah and Judges, you know, it's it's pointing to Christ that life without Christ is like life without wine and he's the ultimate joy that never fades, that will never be boring. And so that's what makes this story, this first miracle, this first sign in John chapter 2 so good. 
And so secondly, we see that, that Jesus is joy, right? And the, the next part is just that discipleship. This is the early part of his ministry, right? He's gathering people. He's going to start his church. Discipleship, the very last verse says, and his disciples believed in him, right? So he's about something bigger here. And so discipleship starts at seeing Jesus for who he really is. Discipleship starts at seeing Jesus for who he really is. So Jesus has much bigger plans than we do. You know, his mom is like, hey, they're out of wine. <laughs> I thought this verse was kind of funny. He's like, Jesus said to her, verse 4, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And we read that. And I read the ESV specifically because it left that translation literal. Um, you know, like, don't go to your mom and say, woman, what are you doing? Like, that. that's not what he means. He's talking about, you know, it's it's more like in our culture if we said, yes, ma'am, like, you know, he's, he's being affectionate, but at the same time, like the, the way it's worded, what does this have to do with me? You see that used later in the book of John when, uh, demons are, are kind of mocking Jesus. And so it can, that the verbiage, the way it's worded, I'm not, I'm not saying that's what Jesus is doing. He's not like the demons, but the way it's worded, it can be used as kind of hostility. Like, what does that have to do with me? Like kind of a mocking. Or it can just be like a polite way to distance yourself from that situation, which is obviously what Jesus is doing here. He said, yes, ma'am, but what does that have to do with me? Like he's he's being affectionate to his mom. He's respecting his parents. You know, that's one of the commandments. Honor your father and your mother. He's honoring his earthly mother. And then he is saying, but uh, hey, I'm God. like, <laughs> And I have bigger plans than you do. And I, you know, I have my own heavenly timetable. And I have a bigger picture than just physical wine at an earthly wedding party. And so we see that discipleship starts at seeing Jesus for who he really is. He's got his own timetable. He's working on his own picture. And he's going to do it his way. It's about more than just the physicality of this, you know, this earth. And so thirdly, we see, I think this is the application for us as we close out today. Discipleship. And, you know, this has all been about Jesus gathering his believers. You know, this is the first of his signs. Verse 11, Jesus did at Canaan and Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So I'm starting my ministry now. I'm gathering my disciples. So discipleship means expecting Jesus to do big things, right? Make wine out of water, right? We expect him to do big things, but not telling him how to do them. Discipleship means expecting Jesus to do big things, but not telling him how to do them. We see that in verse 5. His mother, you know, he kind of politely rebukes her, and his mother says, do whatever he tells you. So she's got this idea, like, wait, we, we, need, we need wine. It's about to run out. Can you do something? I know you'll do something. You know, you're a special child. And then he, and Jesus is like, I'm going to do it on my timetable. And, you know, I'm God. You can't kind of order me around. Yes, I'm going to do something. And so she kind of backs off and she says, do whatever he tells you. This is that submission to his lordship. And so we see Jesus does great things. We're not supposed to tell him how to do it. He's going to set his agenda. And then as we close out, obviously, Jesus offers abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. So Jesus didn't just add something to the water, you know, some of those little powder packets and make it pretty good. He transformed it like water into wine. That's a miracle. That's amazing. And it was about 180 gallons of wine. That's a lot of wine. That's abundance. You know, Jesus brings joy to life. He brings abundance and, and it's overflowing all the areas of our lives. Jesus does not take away the natural joys of life, but lifts them up 
and makes everything more enjoyable. Life with Christ is like a wedding with wine, which is how Revelation, the last book of the Bible, kind of shows things. There's this wedding feast, and we see in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so there will be a future wedding in the end times, what theologians call the eschaton, where we'll be reunited with victorious Jesus again at the end of his ministry where we're all gathered to him and we're perfect. And so we see that the best is yet to come. And John chapter 2 and the party at the wedding feast shows us just a glimpse of what we can anticipate in eternity with Jesus. I hope we've, we've gone a little long today, but I hope this has been enjoyable for you and you're encouraged to dig into God's word for yourself. Come back Monday. And we'll see you then on another New Vision podcast. Thank you guys for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. As always, we hope that you heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk and reflect Christ in your everyday steps. To find out more information about New Vision, you can go to newvisionlife.com or follow us on Instagram at newvisionlife. Again, we're for you, we love you, and we look forward to seeing you back here on Monday.